There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and purposeful lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Before we get into the program, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, rentwithrighttobuy.com. This real estate service offers a new way to home ownership and allows you to purchase a home when you may not be entirely ready. It's a great option if your credit is not in the best of shape or you're in a transition such as divorce, downsizing, or relocating and unsure about the new area. Check them out, Rent With Right to Buy. Thank you much for your sponsorship. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately use in your life and work. And if I can do anything to help you along your journey, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. And let's open a conversation about what you're exploring and see how I might might be able to help. Whether you want to learn more about how to develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused culture in your organization... You want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community to nurture your own passion and purpose, or you'd like me to speak for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now on to this week's program. With us today is Selena Santibanez of GPS Consulting, a boutique consulting firm dedicated to helping small construction business owners with the success and transition of their largest asset, which is their business. She's also the founder and CEO of The Boardroom Project, a nonprofit dedicated to educating and exposing young girls to the business sector at a much younger age, while also providing professional women with the support system they need to climb the corporate ladder through various board positions on corporate and nonprofit boards across the country. We'll be talking today about that Boardroom Project that she created and the work she's and her team are doing there. She joins us today from San Antonio, Texas. Selena, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you for having me. It is so great to have you on the air and share with you. And let's just give a shout out to how it is that we connected. And that is through, right, through the the, the Leadership Women program. And uh, both of us are big fans and are involved with their great work. So I want to say thank you to them for bringing us together first. Yes? Yes. Leadership Texas. Leadership Women. Yes. um, I've met some amazing people over that time. So so as we get into this, I, I've just it was a leadership program, and there's a couple things about your particular background that I want to talk about before we get into what you've done at the Boardroom Project, because I think it's really important to highlight the journey that you've been on to get to where you are. So if we can, Selena, let's start this conversation by understanding your early career in the financial sector. And I do want to understand how you think that skill set helped you become the person you are today. Of course, Elise. Well, uh, you know, it. It really started from a very young age, and as as a product of the east side of San Antonio, um, if it wasn't for city programs like the Youth Opportunity Program or VITA Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Programs that actually taught me how to prepare taxes, and then later I um, was able to get a a part-time job at a bank. Um, in, as a vault teller, and from vault telling, I became a telephone customer service 
specialist at Frost Bank. And, you know, that fundamentally allowed me um, to not only grow through my customer service skills, um, because there's nothing like having to de-escalate a phone call and to really get them understanding and appreciating their, um, their time and their service. So, from the customer service position, um, you know, that fundamentally allowed me to be able to pick up the phone and speak to anybody across the country. So from that, I became a telephone uh, banker. Um, I, I then went into uh, loan products and business products as well. Um, but it wasn't until I decided to pick up uh, and move away. And, you know, I wanted a change of scenery. And that's exactly what I got in Portland, Oregon. And so when I lived in Oregon, I worked for a couple of succession firms. They were It was a very niche business. Um, but ideally, what I did in this in that realm, if you will, is buy and sell financial firms across the country. So for any independent financial advisors that own their own book of business, uh, we were able to put a value to that book. And then through a multiple, um, we were able to buy and sell those firms. So as someone that is from San Antonio and then being exposed to that world, um, it was very eye-opening. Um, but of course, it allowed me to be in spaces that I may um, otherwise not have access to. Mm. I didn't realize you had done a stint through Portland, Oregon. I spent many, many years in Portland. Selena, I'm from Eastern Oregon originally, so you and I have some shared background there. I don't know if we were there in the same years, but it's a great place. I love Portland. I do, too. So another thing about your background, that's that's already interesting in and of itself, that you got the opportunity earlier in life to have such a purview into business and buying and selling businesses. That's amazing. And then I know, too, you were have been an active community service leader in San Antonio, and I know you served on the board of the South Alamo Regional Alliance for the Homeless and have also run for city council district. I mean, it's just amazing. This is great leadership. So I'd like to understand how those experiences have been important to you and maybe how they formed into making you who you are? Of course. So, um, you know, just personally, once again, being a product of this community that is um, very marginalized um, still to this date, we have such high poverty rates in certain zip codes. And for those that may not know, San Antonio is still one of um, the greatest segregated cities in all of the country, actually second behind Miami, interestingly enough. So, because of the way San Antonio is segregated and just just how the populations are kind of in the education, um, once again, I go back to those programs that I benefited and was exposed to that allowed me to acquire the education um, and access. But it wasn't until I moved back from Portland, Oregon in 2015 that back into my very the very same neighborhood um, that I recognized not much had changed after 20 years Um, and I will say that after all the years of my professional experience whether it was in the banking industry or a succession firm or um, you know just working in various organizations and companies I recognized that I had such I had so much information and access um, that how could I come back and share that information and access to young girls so that they wouldn't have to struggle or, you know, go through the same hardships as I did to get to the same place I am in my life. And so, you know, it, it became very natural for me to be a leader of my own community, one in San Antonio, uh, because I've always been one to speak up for those um, that are voiceless or maybe just haven't found their voice quite as yet. 
Um, and then, of course, me serving on the SARA board, San Antonio Regional Alliance for the Homeless, has is really close to home for me. I grew up homeless. I grew up nomadic as a child, living in 11 different states before I was 11. Um, so that meant that I have an understanding and a uh, clear idea of what it meant and what it means to be homeless as a, as a child all the way into my teen years. Um, and then, of course, you know, as a woman leader, female leader, um, I recognized in our community, District 2 to be exact, that we've had six council persons in the past six years. So we really haven't had any consistent leadership um, and really leadership that that comes from the heart, meaning that someone that wants to serve the public, be a, a true public servant, um, and represent that community. And so that's really why, as natural as it became or unfolded, I, I decided to put myself out there for city council. And it was, as hard as it was, it was the best experience I had. Oh, my gosh, Selena, there's so much to you. I'm so glad to have you on air and share you with our listeners. Um, really quick, I, I the, um, the experience of being homeless and being in 11 different states by the time you're 11 years old, just quickly, if you can, what did that experience teach you? Well, <laughs> how much time do we have? Yeah, we don't have that. That's the only uh, bad thing is I'd love to hear more about that. Of course. You know, at the end of the day, what I've recognized about myself um whether a woman or a man or just someone um, as an individual, I, I'm extremely resilient. I'm extremely resourceful. I'm extremely gregarious. So it, maybe I am, I'm an extrovert naturally, but I have to say that those experiences growing up in the streets, growing up, having to talk my way out of things, having um, to speak to whomever, it really allowed me the confidence um, to really just be able to, have a conversation with whomever, um, regardless of their status or race or language. Um, and, and really has made me who I am today. Um, that, you know, I, I see people for who they are and ultimately it's that level of resilience and humility that, um, continues to just push me forward and, and the way I treat and interact with other people. Okay, that's beautiful, Selena. And quickly, so this is such a great teaching moment for our listeners um, who know that I also am a, I'm a logotherapist, which is really Viktor Frankl's school of existential psychology that really is all about how we discover and create meaning for ourselves. And one of the ways that we can do that is the attitudinal stance that we take to the events that occur for occur to us in life and our response to them. So instead of sounding like, you know, you're a victim and oh my gosh, and these, these horrible things happen to you, you've taken that to say, this is I folded this into myself and this is what's helped me become who I am today and that is a stunning example of the magnificence of the human spirit and just what we can actually do and I just so applaud that thank you and then on top of all that, of course, here you are an entrepreneur and you're, you're a business owner. So I, I want to talk just a little bit about this um, boutique consulting services business that you run serving construction businesses. I mean, you are clearly a businesswoman and a leader. So I'm curious, you know, are you just at your core an entrepreneur or did, did this happen to you? 
it happened to me, Elise. I don't, you know, I, my, <laughs> my parents weren't entrepreneurial. I mean, my father and my father's blue collar worker and my mom, you know, um, is a juvenile probation officer. So I didn't really see anything entrepreneurial growing up per se, or the decisions I made. Rather, it was me working for so many various bosses and companies and individuals and recognizing that for the same money I was making them, I could be making for myself. Um, and and even beyond that, I'm a, I'm a bit of a rule breaker. So when you've never had rules growing up, it's kind of hard to follow them. Um, so as I got older and just through my professional experiences, you know, I, I just naturally knew that I would be better suited, my productivity, um, everything that I produced and the service, I, I do have a sales background, so I know that people don't buy products and services, they buy the individuals, and that's ultimately why, um, you know, everything we do is relationship-based, and so all of this works to um, to my favor, and really, it's just at the end of the day, me wanting to work for myself because I knew that the product and service that I was going to deliver was something that I would be happy with. That is brilliant, and I can really appreciate that, and and I can certainly relate to that in many ways. And of course, in my particular case, the the work that I'm doing is around meaning, purpose, passion, inspiration, and purpose is is in service in my, of my purpose. And so it's it's really profoundly important for me that I do that in a way that is uniquely pertinent to me and my, the way that I want to express that. So I really appreciate and connect with what you're saying. Of course. All right, so before we get into the boardroom project, which is what we're going to talk about after we take this first break, I just want to, if we can, if you can say just a couple things about what are some of the more salient or more important aspects of your life and career to date that you are most proud of and why? You know, I have to go back to at 25, I knew that I wanted a change of scenery. I had I had been fortunate enough to travel, maybe not under the best of circumstances, but I would have to say it was when I packed up my car, I was working for the Salvation Army as a disaster case manager. So Katrina had just happened, um, and I, I knew I wanted a change of scenery, and so I just literally selected Portland. I did not have a job when I moved out there. But I have to say, at least, like, had I not taken that risk, and I know so many of us just talk about it and mention it, but it is literally me packing up everything I own and just moving out to a foreign land um, that was probably the best thing I could have done for myself professionally as well as personally. Um, the second thing was, of course, running for city council. I mean, it, it's one thing to be vocal. It's one thing to be engaging. Um, you know, I've done a lot of things locally in my community that I feel have made an impact um, today as well as it will tomorrow. Um, but ideally, the fact that I put myself out there as a as a woman um, that comes from this community and I did not have any political backing or any, any desire to really be in the political world. Um, but that, but that I ran a clean race and that, you know, I made new friends, new neighbors and um, that ideally I created a, mo a, a, a movement, if you will, in bringing more, um, more people to the table collectively and just bringing more structure so that as a whole, our community is heard. 
Oh, Selena, you are such an impressive human being. I'm so glad to know you. And with that, yeah, you're welcome. It's amazing. I'm so inspired, actually. So thank you for that. I appreciate that gift. It's time for our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Selena Santibanez, the founder and CEO of GPS Consulting and also the Boardroom Project, which is a nonprofit dedicated to educating and exposing young girls to the business sector at a much younger age, while also providing professional women with a support system they will need to climb the corporate ladder through various board positions on corporate and nonprofit boards across the country. We've been talking about her earlier experiences of what formed her into the person and leader she is today. After the break, we're going to get into the Boardroom Project. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Selena Santibanez, the founder and CEO of GPS Consulting and also the Boardroom Project. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Selena, for this next piece here, I do want to get into uh, what you've been doing at the Boardroom Project and why. And before we do that, the first thing I want to call out, which is smack on, the, I think, the homepage of your website, you cite that. Uh, women are 51% of the population and almost half the nation's workforce, yet we are still significantly underrepresented in boardrooms across the country. And the Government Accountability Office estimates it could take more than four decades of women's representation on boards in order to approach parity with their male counterparts. So I want you to address that, if you will. But first, why do you believe women in leadership is so important? At the end of the day, it's all about representation. Um you know, I can dive a little bit more into that, but, you know, we look at parity, we look at population also by, you know, IRS standards, 2051, women will be the head of household, meaning that they will be the main breadwinners. Um, and for many families across the country, it, it already is like that. Many women, you know, raise their families on just a one paycheck, but, you know, by 2051, we will not only be Half, more than half the population, the med, main breadwinners get, um, and I know we're definitely, you know, the main consumers for our families and ourselves as women, yet we won't be the ones actually making the decisions at the table that will impact our lives on a daily basis. Oh, my gosh, that was so crisp and so compelling. And I know for me, what I wanted to chime in with why I think that women in leadership is important is because we bring such a different perspective to to that business. And it, it, it's often cited as more inclusive and, and we're able to see people for their skills and their abilities and, and, and include them and, and engage them and embrace them in, in a way that is 
personally meaningful to people. So there's there's a lot to be said about the way women approach things. And of course, they tend to de-escalate conflict a little bit better, it seems. And so I, I too, of course, support women leadership. So I love what you're up to. It's so important. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, speaking of that, one of the other things that you talked about, um, I think it's on your website, and it's also something you and I talked about when we first met, but you distinguish in your early career as having worked in the male-dominated financial sector. I, too, have worked in male-dominated areas. How did that experience contribute to your decision to found the Boardroom Project? It was the main decision. It was the main, after me working for a couple of succession firms across the country, Um, Me often being the only female in the room negotiating deals, Um, you know, I have some really specific examples where, you know, here I am at the Woodlands in in Texas and we're at the golf course and all of us are meeting um, and it's across the room that I see another group of women look at me and they're smiling and I'm not understanding why until I realize as as I'm walking out, I'm in a meeting of nine men Um, And it's only me. And I could tell that these women were just elated to see me in this space. And so it's it's experiences like that um, and all this statistics that we now know and and the factual information that, um, you know, that we still are not represented in spaces where if other women are sitting around and they recognize that, you know, what you're doing, um, that it ultimately just becomes it ultimately becomes a, a place in which we have to replicate those situations, but that it, it that there's more of us and that 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 women are just looking at 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 individuals and saying, man, only her, um, you know, that should that should be the norm where there's at least two to three women in every meeting. Mm-hmm. Agreed completely. Um, I, I've worked in uh, some male-dominated industries, like for example, and when I when I was in Seattle, I worked in the in the um, food industry, and in particular the baking baking flour industry for a while. And but the good thing about that was it was really easy to get an appointment, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the good thing about it, um, and it was fun. I enjoyed myself. That's when I learned to golf. So and I learned, of course, I, I I sucked at that, but that's okay. The men put up with it. <laughs> and well, and at least from your experience, you know that the golf course is where all the men have their meetings. That's exactly right. That's where things get done and decided, and handshakes take place, and deals get done. Absolutely. So we just need to recreate. We need to create our own space as women, and um, because ultimately, it's all about networking and social capital. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well. So the Boardroom Project is now a year old, which is fantastic. Congratulations, Selena. That is amazing. Um, we're going to talk a bit about some of the programs that you're that you're there that you, that you're up to there and you provide. Um, but in terms of you know, you've got people that are on the board helping you, and so I'm just more curious about more of the why behind the organization. And it, it takes a lot. I have a nonprofit organization too. It takes a lot to run an organization like this. So what what else is behind your desire to get this thing up and running and and serving women and girls? Of course. Well, you know, it it fundamentally goes to our theme this year of 2019, which is being bold, being resilient and being passionate. And so when you're passionate about something, it's not really work. Um, When you're bold, you don't need to ask for permission or wait your turn. Rather, you just know that you're fulfilling something that needs to be done for the greater good. 
Um, and resilient, I mean, that I've been resilient all of my life. And I know that the one thing that young girls and young women are exactly that resilient. And so, um, you know, I've done the work for the past two to three years, actually, even though we're turning one, um, I've done the work on my own diamond time because I really felt strategically and being a businesswoman um, and my approach is different to the nonprofit compared to most nonprofits. So I knew that I wanted to have the data. I wanted to have the curriculum. I wanted everything already established, the relationships, partnerships. Um, and so when this year, when I actually formed the board, um, yes, of course, and it's a huge relief so that it's a, a team of 10 amazing women, a me making it 11, um, but at, at least that I would fundamentally have everything already sound and prepared. So as everybody's looking from the outside in, they see all this work and all this, um, you know, tangible end goals. And we'll actually start our scholar program this Thursday. Um that it really just becomes having those partnerships and having to figure out how we can work together. And so um, half of that was all of the battle. And right now we're just moving forward. I'll also tell you, Elise, that before we get into the programs, uh, we'll actually open up our Dallas chapter in Oak Cliff at the end of the month in the 26th and 27th. So not only do we have the San Antonio market, we'll have the Dallas market uh, with the hopes of having the Austin market by the end of the year. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Talk about impact and making a difference in the world. You know, I often open my conversations when I'm out speaking to audiences with, you know, what will you do with your one precious life? Well, you are certainly doing something with your one precious life, Selena. Kudos to you. Um, and along those lines, one of the one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that y- you don't just serve women, professional women. You're actually working with young girls. So, um, I think that is a great idea and stellar because you got to get them when they're younger before they really settle into their mindsets and how they're convicted about what they can and can't do in the world. So, exactly. right. So say a little bit more about, you know, why you decided to work with young women or young girls and what ages are we talking about here? Of course. So it's middle school, high school, but you know, some of the girls that come to us, we even have sixth grade, um, and elementary. And so I think that Of course, this is all personal experience. Me growing up in the streets, what were all the things I wish I would have known at my age when you have to be resourceful, when when you're forced to learn things on your own and you don't have parents to guide you? um, You know, you, you tend to figure things out the hard way, but you still figure them out. And so in this community and in these marginalized communities that I choose to serve, understanding all of that. And so... By providing these young girls of middle school and high school, providing them with the tools and the resources, which includes an asset map, identifying social capital, identifying what within your own community can support you to get to whatever goals you may have. And so um, also understanding that our minority communities Um, do have a lot of entrepreneurial small businesses that they start up within their families. Even, of course, the immigrant population um, that maintain the small businesses and hire most people within our communities. So by teaching these young girls of middle school and high school age, like like you mentioned, Elise, not only getting to them before they're set in their ways, 
but also letting exposing them to professions, to businesses, to individuals that will help support them in their process. And so even if it's five to 10 years that they come back, they will still fundamentally understand and remember what it means to have these um, this support system and these goals. I think that's phenomenal and fantastic. And again, I wish I would have been plugged into something like that when I was that age. Who knows what it, what it could have happened to me. I did have the experience of working for my parents in the restaurant business in my high school years, and that was profoundly important and transformative for me. But um, for what you're doing for young girls is is terrific. And then for women, what I think is interesting that you're specifically giving them access to and support in boardrooms, I think is really quite a niche. Why did you choose boardrooms specifically? Yeah, and the, the whole boardroom project was exactly through my experience of being in boardrooms um, without having that female presence. And so, um, you know, the same things that we're teaching our scholars are fundamentally the same things we're teaching our professional women of 20 to 40 years of age. Um, so in our scholar program, you know, we talk about how to access, you know, the entrepreneurial, how to access uh, capital, how to, you know, leadership development 101, board 101. But with our pros, um, you know, we may assume that they have a basis of understanding, but a lot of these young professional young women have not been exposed to the idea of what it means to serve on the board, but the benefits of serving on a board, not only personally and professionally, but the impact it will have in your local community. Um with the end goal of being in a position that we can then get you structured and set up for corporate board uh, positions. So um, ideally, it's just looking at the young professional women that say, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. Let us provide you wage negotiation. Let's provide you with Robert Rules of Order training. Let's provide you with public speaking. Let's provide you with financial reporting um, training. Because, you know, regardless of what they become in life or what they do, if they just have those bases of understanding, that business basis, and like you mentioned, Elise, your parents were entrepreneurs, you got exposure to that in, in that element, Um and that they, too, will take all this information that we're providing them at no cost, if you will, uh, to our scholars, um, that they will then go back and teach their own parents what they're lo- learning here. Um, and the difference between the boardroom project and most nonprofit organizations is that it's actually each board member that facilitates a class. So we have a 12-week curriculum, and based off of their area of expertise, Um, they actually will teach that module uh, that will connect them for the whole 12-week curriculum. So I, you know, once again, this is from all of my personal experience growing up, taking the good, the bad, and the ugly, and figuring out what really does work for young girls and just positioning them in a better situation as they move forward in life. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Okay, so then having said that, I, I'm really interested to hear, what is your vision for the Boardroom Project? So in other words, you know, when it executes to its mission and vision, what does the world look like? Of course. So I mentioned already us really expanding in Texas, if you will, from, you know, uh, some of the largest markets of Dallas and Austin and Houston, El Paso and Laredo. I really do have that in a two to five year uh, goal 
setting. Now, however, my not, maybe some of my board members aren't as like excited as how quickly I am going, but you know, it's just because, and, and they really do help me reel me back into what's reality and what can be done. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, there's so many communities that, that can benefit from this information. And so, you know, as we're working through all of these markets and we're looking and we're working with young girls and women, that means that that 40, four decade parity that you referenced at the beginning won't take four decades. It'll, it'll hopefully only take two decades. And so meaning that even if we're minimizing that span of time and providing our next ge- generation of young girls to make more than 75 per- 75 cents per dollar for their male counterpart, making that 90 or making women who are bilingual, uh, making, making them, you know, paying them for that and the, and how marketable they are, you know, so it's not only here in Texas, but I do plan on expanding in other parts. Hopefully one will be in Oregon. Um, and another part will be me going international and, and working in Monterrey and Mexico city and, and really letting women know, as you know, Elise, as a business owner, that we should not be limited geographically, but rather um, business and, and personal and professional experiences are global now. Mm-hmm. I love it, Selena. And I'm just sure that we've got listeners that are just chomping at the bit, leaning into this going, count me in, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We were on the air with Selena Santibanez, the founder and CEO of GPS Consulting and also the Boardroom Project. She joins us today from San Antonio, Texas. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Selena Santibanez, the founder and CEO of GPS Consulting and also the Boardroom Project, which is a nonprofit dedicated to educating and exposing young girls to the business sector at a much younger age, while also providing professional women with the support system they will need to climb the corporate ladder through various board positions on corporate and nonprofit boards across the country. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Celine, for this last segment, I really wanted to talk more about your your partners and programs specifically. So, I know it's sort of it's somewhat it's got to take a, a village, if you if you will, to make this all work. So, I'm I'm really interested to understand how it is that you decided to bring your partners together. Um, and so, if you could talk about maybe how it was, maybe what was your what was your strategy to 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 bring them together, and how it is that they do work together to support you. 
Of course. So what I've seen, um, and of course this applies to this community, is that there's there's a lot of a, a lot of the same o same o. And so whether it's services or it's individuals um, that serve those populations, there's not very much collab, not not true collaboration. And so, um, you know, part of BRP is BRP Link, and I'll get into that. Um, but really, it's I'm a product of this community, and so working whether it's with Bibliotech, which, which is the largest digital library in the county, or working with Child Safe or the Spurs and sports organization, they see and know um, that I live in the community, that I impact the community, and that my true intention is to, um, you know, really provide that foundation for all individuals to have an opportunity at life and success. So my my strategy to that is just very simple. It's collaboration at, at its core. It's, it's not about what you can do for me or what I can do for you, but it's how can we do it together? And that in in all opinion, in all honesty, um, it's I'm of the opinion that even if five different organizations serve one individual, serve one young girl, that is five times likely that that one young girl will succeed in life because we can't do it all. And nor should we be trying to reinvent the wheel. Rather, and really from the business uh, stand of it, is just being more efficient and proficient, if you will, in the way we serve uh, individuals and and the responsibility of the dollars that are given to us. Um, so at the end of the day, I think collaboration is key. Any grant writer will tell you that. But it's more important than just putting it down on paper. It's actually saying for instance, for the boardroom project, we have very low overhead because we actually partner with Bibliotech East where we hold our classes at. Um, our monthly board meetings are held at various companies and organizations that support and believe in diversity themselves. So when you're looking at really strategizing, don't waste your time on companies or organizations that do not not only believe in your mission, but not understanding the end goal. And so when we work with companies or I approach a company or a small business or even a large organization, it is very much, I'm not here to step on your toes, but I'm really here to enhance whatever product and service you're providing by me being able to educate the young girls and and your workforce um, to get more of a diverse pipeline for your company. So what I'm what I want to really echo and and celebrate here, Selena, is this idea of collaboration. I I think it's such a forward thinking uh, concept. I had on my 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 show a few weeks ago um, Paul Skinner, the author of Collaborative Advantage, and he really talks about how there are so many people we can partner with, including the unlikely suspects like our clients and even competitors, to be able to serve our populations. And so I really applaud that you're embracing that concept as you are. It's fantastic. Of course. So the next thing I want to understand is, uh, you, you know, you serve both women and girls. And I'm, I'm curious to know, one, how do you find these people? How do they show up in your world to be able to serve them? And if you can, say, if you've got like a typical kind of client that you serve. Of course. So um, as mentioned, we'll start our scholar program this Thursday at Bibliotech. Um, everything is paperless. So once again, we're trying to teach these young girls the day and age of technology and the digital divide is 
still so great in our community. Even though we do have one digital library, um, you know, these young girls in these communities do not have consistent internet access or, you know, you try doing an application or a resume or uploading something on your cell phone and tell me how that goes. So, um, you know, very limited in what they're being exposed to. So actually, these young ladies come to us. I We do... We do community outreach, and I go to them, right? So whether it's the YMCA, whether it's the library, whether it's the laundromat, um, whether it's the parks, I have a very uh, connected community. So they let me know and invite us. This Saturday will be at um, a KLRN community event. So we're really out in the community firsthand and, and connecting with community members and families. Um, but really, because I've been doing this work for the past two to three years, they already know me. They see me in the neighborhood. We shop at the same HEB. We go to the same library. I walk my dog in the neighborhood. So the mothers trust me and they know me and they know I'm a product of the community. So it's a very... It's a very different dynamic than you say than you will if someone else from the outside came in. Um, but ideally, these girls come to us and they they know it's interesting. And these young girls then talk to other young girls and they say, "No, we go places. We do things. We're learning things." And they're so excited to be able to get out of their norm or even just what they're geographically just forced into. So um, I think it's the exposure and the education that really gets girls at our, to our door. Mm-hmm. So I would describe that as a kind of a, an organic uh, approach and where you're just, you're there and people have known you word of, word of mouth and they're connected to you, they feel connected to you, they know of you, three degrees or whatever, six degrees of separation. I, I think that is a, a very refreshing approach, Selena. And granted, it will be a little different from our other cities, our other markets, right? Because I am, I am a product of the community. Um, so we, you know, when we look at Dallas, when we look at Austin, we'll have to establish those relationships and connections. But like you mentioned, at least at the end of the day, is the cl- collaboration. If we already go into cities knowing that, you know, this isn't necessarily my space, but our space and where can we work together, um, it will just allow these young girls to come to come into the program um, at a much faster rate. And of course we tailor our programs. So for instance, we'll be at an elementary school, we'll do, we'll provide a speaking series. Um, we actually go into a high school and an elementary school. So um, it, it's a very tailored program in addition to our 12 week curriculum that we provide. Uh, well, that's that. I definitely want to talk talk more about that because I I'm really impressed that you've got these three solid programs, at least three that I can tell from your website. And I know how much it takes to create a full on program because I've done that myself. And hats off for doing three of them. You've already said something about the scholar program. That's for the girls, right? The middle school and the high high school girls. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there more about that program that you'd like us like us to know than what you already said? Of course. Um, and I think the one thing we'll our end goal for this program, the scholar program, is not only the exposure of what we're teaching them, but when they get to the age or, you know, the grade of 11th and 12th, our young girls, are, we're having to compete with them going to go to a fast food. And there's nothing wrong with that job because these young ladies have to bring money, food to the table themselves and their families, most of them. But if we can expose them 
through actually matching, uh, connecting them for not not just an internship, but a paid internship. So we don't raise money for scholarships. We actually raise money to pay these young ladies uh, to match a company or to even pay them fully ourselves so that we change their trajectory and exposure into various professions. And that's ultimately how we're going to get more women into the workforce and prepare them um, so that we have more diversity at the table as well. Mm-hmm. So smart, Selena. It's just so smart. Um, now, what about the pro program? What is what? Who's that for, and what do you do there? Of course. So it would be ideally, it would be for a twenty to forty year old um, individual woman that is that whether they're working through college or just interested in boards as they start to learn about the concept, or you have a female professional that you know, is really eager to get that promotion. Um, But, you know, they've been out of school. There's various programs. But this is very hands-on intense. So we're very intentional about what we're teaching. And and it's because we know what it takes. And so I go back to the Robert Rules of Order, knowing how to structure a meeting, knowing the importance of what's on the agenda, knowing not only how to negotiate your wages, but, you know, really enhance your public speaking And of course, at the end of the day, if you cannot read financial reports and you just glaze over it during that time of the meeting, you're really not going to be as engaged or fruitful um, to the board or the organization if you don't, if you're not continuously um, offering that learning for yourself. So Mm -hmm. that's really what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say more specifically that any of our BRP Pro will come to us, they'll get interviewed. We will build out a board profile for them. And so we are also able to match them with organizations or companies based off of their passion and say, look, I have an individual who is prepared and has gone through BRP training and they're ready to now serve on a board. And so we really we really are matchmakers in that sense. Um, but it's very hands on. It's not like, hey, let's throw someone your way. You know, I don't want to waste that young person's time. And I certainly don't want to waste that the company or organization's time of having um, to have consistent board members. Of course not. Totally. It would dilute your whole cause. I got that. Uh, And then finally, you have a link program. Who's that for and what do you do? Of course. So our BR Pink link um, is truly, uh, truly at the core is the collaboration. And so whether we're linking organizations, whether we're linking individuals or linking opportunities, um, you know, it's it's what we know is that we have to continue to add to our social network. We have to continue to add to our social capital and the only way we're going to do that is by connecting with one another so whatever that person or individual or even organizations needs may be how can we link them with other people that can serve if not fulfill that need of the company and so it, it fundamentally link is um, synonymous with collaboration Hmm. Hmm. I do something like that in my purpose on fire um, nonprofit that I run as well so I, I certainly recognize that now, as I mentioned earlier, I can fully imagine that there were people listening to this that are leaning in going, oh my gosh, pick me, I really need to be involved, I want to help. What is the best way for them to, to contact you and get into communication? 
Of course. So you can reach me via email, Selena, S-A, just remember, San Antonio, S-A-L-E-N-A, at boardroomproject.org is my direct email. You, of course, can find us on social media, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, and all of it is at Boardroom Project. Wonderful. So finally, this show, Selena, is is listened to across the globe. It's syndicated on about 28 different platforms, and it's really designed to help listeners across the globe to meaningfully and productively connect with their work. Um, what would you like to leave our listeners with, given that? So at the end of the day, regardless of the impact that we may have or the people or, or communities that we are serving, we have to take care of ourselves. And you know, I come from a lot of trauma, a lot of family and community trauma, but I recognize that the one person I need to take care of the most is myself, um, not only as a wife and a business owner and a community leader, but I really do no one any good unless I take care of myself. So, you know, that self-awareness, that self-care, it, it is only because I make that a priority that I'm able to do all of this. So, you know, multiple chapters, a a nonprofit, a business. Um, We also have a drywall business. So, you know, really making sure that you you have a balance in life and really just taking care of yourself. So I I just want to highly emphasize that to any professional um, that's out there in the world that you have to take care of yourself first. Selena, that is a beautiful way to finish. And if I can, just one quick follow-on question to that. We've got just maybe a, maybe 30 seconds if you can answer this. So many people when I'm out speaking say, oh, Lisa, you know, this whole passion purpose thing sounds really good, but I don't have time. At the end of the day, I, I just there's no time. How would you address that given all the things that you're doing? So, you, you know, all of our responsibilities vary from household to household, individual to individual. At the end of the, to- at the, end of the day, if you're passionate if you know that that's what's going to make the world a better place, it's not about time. It's about it's a matter of of you know how much energy and and fight you're going to be you're going to put forward. So really coming back to BRP, being bold, being resilient, and being passionate. I think time is something that we really live by, and at the end of the day, the impact that we'll have on our, our family and our communities and our world, it won't be it won't be looked or seen through the hourglass, but it will be seen through the results that we put forth. Wow. Beautiful way to finish and great answer, Selena. Thank you very much. And thank you for being on the show with us, taking the time from your busy schedule to come and share your heart and soul with us. It's been a beautiful contribution. Thank you, Elise, for having me. You're welcome. And listeners, if you want to learn more about Selena and the work she and the team are doing there at the Boardroom Project, go to their website, as she said before. It's boardroomproject.org. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Justin Barnes talking about Ikigai, the Japanese concept that is about finding your reason for being and living your best life. Next week, we'll be on the air with Susan Sokolblosser. She's an Oregon wine pioneering leader and an author of various books, and we'll be talking about her experience and perspective on living a large and full life well past retirement. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose 
at work.